Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's episode, we talk about the states with the worst drivers, fishermen being struck by lightning, fishing tactics for rainy days, and we wrap up with the trivia challenge and we reveal the big loser. Stick around. Hey guys, welcome back. We are coming at you from across the country. I'm in Florida. And Rob and Nick are in their usual places in Arizona, but kind of cool. It feels like it's a big step for us to be doing this. You know, I, I actually brought a mic with me and I'm at a tournament. But if we keep going in this direction, we might actually be decent within two or three years. On the on the aggressive side, <laughs> I'd go more like a decade. <laughs> right, on. we'll see if I can keep you guys around for that long. What uh, what's going on your way, guys? We'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Rob. What what's up your way, man? Uh, not too much. We just uh, yesterday took a little day trip. My wife and I went up to uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Cameron and Ann Carver. They have a uh, a ranch up near Flagstaff, which is up at elevation, so it was nice and cool up there. Um, and they had what they called the alpaca uh, rodeo. So they shear their alpacas every year and they have a bunch of folks come up and did a barbecue and just hung out. And it was one of the coolest things we've done in a long time. So obviously, what's that? Boyd go also? No, I wish he would have. He would have absolutely loved it. I mean, dude, the, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been around alpacas. I know Nick said he had, he had them next door for a while, but uh, just their personalities are unreal. They're, they're a big time herd animals. So they all look out for each other. And when one's getting sheared, the others are all watching and like whining and making noise. And, <laughs> like it is the coolest dang thing. So, and they also had a little fun with it. So Cameron and Ann's son, Wiley, he's, I think he's 14 now. Uh, it was his idea to get those. They want, when they lived down here in the Valley, he wanted them so bad, but what until the they moved up. Pack them. Why do you have them? You have them for their fiber, which is their, their, uh, when you shear them, you turn alpaca into blankets and sweaters and sweaters. Turtlenecks. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, turtlenecks, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they're just neat animals. And, but I, I don't even know where I was going with that. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. We, they've got um, three or four lakes on the ranch, all with bass in them. Um, it's just a gorgeous place and they're so they live on the ranch in the back and then the front of it is uh called foxborough estates and they're, they're selling off the lots in there um there's gorgeous homes i mean multi-million dollar cabins is what they are in that area so pretty cool place wow uh, what was the tent man was it quite a bit cooler up there yeah the wind was blowing i mean we had a sweatshirt on all day I mean, it was wow. probably it was probably mid 60s, maybe 70 at the most. So gorgeous that's weather. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's what we did yesterday. My my wife got just the worst sunburn. I guess that's <laughs> what happens when you get up there and it's nice weather and don't you know don't realize. Yeah, you forget you need to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Is it worse so. in the elevation too? Because I feel like I've had some really bad sunburns at Lake Mary and. Uh, yep. I know you forget because it's cooler, but is it just more intense at 8,000 feet? You're just, you're just closer to the sun, so it just gets you, you know. It's, hey, it's you know, it's not it's not healthy to get a sunburn, but sometimes it's sometimes it's good to get to get scorched like that. At least you know you're in the outdoors. <laughs> you never get scorched like that after having a, a bad day. It's unless you know, <laughs> I guess it's right. People, but it's usually after a good time you get a sunburn. Yeah, for sure, because you don't you don't you don't realize you're getting burned and you're just having a good time. So and that's what and, we did. It was a lot of fun. Some of us like me who have to pose to fit in. At least if I have like a good set of raccoon eyes on my face at the grocery store, I can trick those people into thinking that I'm way more legitimate than I am. I just need to get like a hook T shirt and I can be like, Bro, I'm on the water three hundred and sixty days a year. Where you been? <laughs> yeah. That's you know, kind of back east and down south. It's that salt life hasn't made it to, uh, to Arizona Dude, so much. No, I, I, I see stickers occasionally on the back of cards with Arizona plates, and I'm like, salt life. Wow, I'd like to know where they uh, got a little taste. They ain't living the salt life, dude. Yeah, maybe like the salty from sweating life, but definitely not the salt water life. <laughs> 
Well said, dude. Uh, well, how about you, Nick? What uh, What's up with you? I know you got the boat out for the first time uh, this week with the family. How'd it go? Oh, man, it was great. The uh, maiden voyage happened, and uh, it was good. The, the boat, always a nice thing when a, a new-to-you boat performs really well, and, and it did. Uh, my tow vehicle laid royal eggs all the way there and all the way back, but at least the boat... It didn't run well? Uh, yeah, my Suburban is... So we, it was hot. We went out and the high that day was 111, you know, and I got my two little kids and my, my dad and, uh, uh, my suburban just wants to get hot. And so we made it there, didn't overheat, but it was dicey and I uh, had a great time on the water, man. We, uh, caught a bunch of bluegill. Um, my dad actually caught a pretty nice bass. We went to Bartlett. So obviously for the local listeners who know that that's not like one of our lakes you go for big size. But uh, the fishing's usually pretty good, and we were we were uh, over at just a beach, and I was letting my kids swim, and there were so many bluegills that you could just catch them with a bare hook. Dude, I had the power poles down, and we're like wading up to our waist, just hanging out. Dude, schools of bluegill would just swim by and like almost get so bold that they'd nibble on you. So you could just drop a bare hook, and my kids caught like hundreds of you know fingerlings. I told my dad, I was like, Dad, you should go walk over to that point because you could see that there was you know a bunch of like a real shallow ridge and then an island and then it just dropped off into the abyss. I was like, dad, you should walk over there and just throw a drop shot and see, you know, you probably catch something. And so my dad caught one that was almost three pounds sitting on his butt on the beach. So so we still haven't caught a bass on the boat per se, but it's just a minor technicality. Has has your dad (laughs) always been like this, Nick? Has he always had that rabbit's foot when it comes to catching fish? Like every, so I've only fished with him, uh, I think, twice, maybe three times, but he's caught big ones every time. He's caught big ones with Rob uh, every time. And uh, I mean, just this story, has he been like that since you were a kid, or is he just as, you know, later in life, is he getting. (laughs) Maybe it's just the universe being generous to him because he's old, tired, and in pain all the time. I don't know, man. (laughs) You know, and I think maybe he slows down because my dad, if I talk a lot, I come by it honestly. So maybe, you know, he gets so wrapped up in stories that he casts like, 20% 20% fewer op, fewer casts than we do. So maybe that longer soak gives him an advantage, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Dude, I think it's great. I, I, I love your dad, man. He's just always catching big fish. Dude, he is. So it was funny, right? And the, the day went great and we got off the water at like 3.30. And so it was, it was super duper hot at that point. And uh, I go to get in my Suburban, man. And uh, apparently it's a common problem with those things, but the door lock actuators go out. And what happens is, is that once those dudes go out, they're either stuck open or stuck locked. (laughs) So mine were stuck locked. And so the driver's door worked and everything else was stuck locked shut. So we all had to like climb over seats and pile in the back. And I was like pushing my kids over seats to get them back there. Luckily, we weren't entirely locked out, but we were, if there's five doors, we were 80% locked out. How crazy. (laughs) You still can't, you, so you can't manually open them in any way. So we, it's at the shop and we've been working on it. And we've got, we've got most of them opened up and we're switching the, the door locks out. But really the uh, tragedy of that was, is that I couldn't go fishing anymore. My tow vehicle uh, was back in the shop. So I, I don't know what it is. I'm like a country song, dude. I feel like my life, the only thing left to do is like maybe have my dog get ran over or something. It's like, <laughs> now I got a boat. Now my truck doesn't work. It's like, I really feel like I'm like, a really lousy 90s country song or something. <laughs> and you just have these, Nick always gets these heaping piles of metal for vehicles that are, they look cool and they've got cool backstories. They just don't they run. They don't work. Yeah, just they just don't work. And get yourself one new truck. Just go get a Tundra and be good, dude. Be good to go. I, we've got a Chrysler Pacifica, which is like the most limp-wristed minivan in history. And I was like Googling to see what the towing capacity was on it. Because I was like, if I put a tow hit, uh-oh, we're losing Nick. You there, buddy? He gone. Oh, no. Nick, are you there? All right, sorry about that, guys. We're back recording now. We had a little uh, technical difficulty. As soon as we said we were getting decent, or going to be decent, we'd take a step backwards. But anyways. Instant Nick, karma. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about how you were going to put a tow hitch on your van. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that it... It's funny, in this vast stable of ugly hunks of metal, uh, as you so adeptly called it, 
the Chrysler Pacifica is the last one standing. So according to the Googles, it has a 3,500-pound towing capacity. And I and I Googled the um, you know the specs on a Z8, and it's like 3,480. So I'm like, all right, well, if I did that, then I'd just go like slower. If I went like 50, I'm sure it could handle it. And if it spits a transmission out, then so be it. But I'm not that desperate yet. Hilarious. It's time for a new truck. Dude, I know. You and my wife and my dad, the whole drive up there, I had to listen. I could hardly hear my dad because my Suburban is straight piped, long tube headers, giant cam, all that stuff. But when I could hear him, all I could hear him doing was complaining about how loud it was. So it's like, apparently it needs to be louder because I can still hear you. <laughs> that's hilarious well, hey, so josh out, dude. That's yeah cool. thanks dude so the funniest things rob he said uh you know so buying a used boat he said you know someone else had kind of broke it in and worn it in and stuff he goes he goes i feel like i'm wearing someone else's hat oh dude, it's exactly what it is too like i can almost feel like the steering wheel has like his grips on it still like every i felt like i it was like having an affair with his fishing craft or something, but uh, it worked beautifully and it's going to be a great boat for me, but uh, definitely take a while before it's my boat, not his. That's cool. Yeah, just a few big fish and, uh, and and you'll start making your own memories in it, man. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That could be a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take us fishing. Sorry. <laughs> Let's lose Rob next instead of me. Yeah. Uh well, cool, man. So as far as, as far as my situation goes right now, like I said, I'm sitting in Florida. I'm at Lake Toho, uh, sitting in actually a pretty nice little rental house. Um, we talked about the, my rental house situation that I was struggling with for our tournament in Detroit. Long story short, the lady canceled the house on us. Oh, no. She did. You know, I, I called Airbnb and they said, no matter what, don't cancel it yourself. You know, so I was trying to hold her off, hold her off and just try to make her a little more desperate. You know, politely, I was like, OK, let me talk to the guys and this and that. And uh, Long story short, she just straight canceled it. So she the best and, and, and not that even that I'm going to give her one, but it's going to show up now on Airbnb that she canceled the house on a guest um, with the trip coming up. So that's not not great for her. But anyways. Um, we we got we got the situation figured out. We had to split the group up. You got to the sleaze ball in. Yeah, we got two smaller VRBOs or Airbnbs booked, so it'll be all right. But this one's solid that we're in. One of the nicer ones that we've stayed at. It's on a little lake outside of uh, town here, and uh, it's been an interesting week so far for me. The drive was uneventful, which is good. You know, it was like from Arizona to basically Orlando. It's like a two and a half to three day drive. And it was smooth. I just kind of took my time. I didn't drive super fast. I drove 70 the whole way and uh, made it in three days. Um, no problems at all. So that was good. It was kind of eerie driving through. Uh, probably the eeriest part was driving through New Orleans. Uh, drove right through downtown New Orleans. And it feel like we're in ghost town. Because, you know, things are getting a lot better in Louisiana after the virus. But with all the riding and stuff that was taking place in the big cities, along with the effects after covid it was a it was a wednesday morning at 9 a.m when i went through there rush hour oh. should be rush hour and uh it was like it was like uh you know watching a, an apocalyptic movie there's no one it was very strange uh wow <laughs> yeah well at yeah. least if you went through there at 9 a.m instead of 10 p.m we, you probably would have had to buy your boat and truck back on like ebay or something yeah, i was trying to avoid <laughs> the big cities at night things have chilled out even a lot in the few days since then but early this week i was a little bit nervous about everything that was going on for sure dude hey I've, josh just yeah. a, a, a random question but something people probably wonder i mean how how many days do you stay in your those those rental houses when you go to those tournaments Usually, depending on how you do in the tournament, usually seven to nine days. So you have to schedule it for nine days, obviously. And what I mean, what what are the cost of those? Do they vary throughout the country? Is it just I mean, people during the summer, they take their families and go fish places. What I mean, what does it cost to to rent a place somewhere? Average. So that's a good question, man. And they, they'll range anywhere, depending, like you said, where it is, what the season is. They'll range from one hundred dollars a night to you know, gosh, if you went crazy, which we don't, but you could, I mean, some of these places that are on the lake or whatever, are three, four, five, six hundred dollars a night. We try okay. to keep it in the range of, uh, you know, we're pretty comfortable with if we've got 
four people that we're splitting it up with. I mean, it's pretty economical if you compare it to hotels. If you're spending a couple hundred bucks or less a night, you know, if it's 50 bucks or less a night a person, that's, I mean, for $50 a night, you're not going to be in a good hotel at all if you're by yourself. No. I mean, you're going to be worried about your stuff getting stolen. So to be in a safe hotel, it's usually at least a hundred bucks a night, you know? So if, if you compare it head to head, the, the houses are cheaper. And, and again, they're just, they're just better. They're, they're in a lot of times in, in safer Parking. and uh, they're, they're more comfortable. This one we did. Have, go ahead. Do you have tips on, on how to find the better ones and, that are still reasonably priced? You know, not really, I, you know, I'm not a great planner logistically, and when it's my turn to actually book the houses, it's always a struggle. Some people are better at planning than me, and uh, it's just not my forte. But uh, so Chantel actually found this one, my wife, and uh, it's pretty far from the takeoff. It's a good hour from the takeoff, oh. but <laughs> it's she got this place because it's like James and I were laughing because we we split up for this one. It's James and I, and then Roy and Gerald stayed in another one because of. HOA parking uh, issues and stuff, but she's got like her favorite colors teal, and everything in this house is teal. I'm there like, you go. No wonder that she booked this place, but it's, it's a nice little pad, so we're we're happy, you know, other than the drive. And uh, dude, speaking speaking of the driving around here, uh, you know, in Arizona, we we deal with uh, some some crazy stuff on the roads, especially during the winter time. There are a lot of snowbirds in town and stuff. But I don't think anything compares to Florida driving. And uh, there are a few different, I don't know, reasons to maybe speculate it. Maybe it's just maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just not a good Florida driver. But um, they get so much rain. It rains almost every day in the summertime. So you're having to drive in rain. And, and there's a lot of people. Like everywhere around most of Florida, especially central Florida, is very congested. Like the Orlando area. Orlando is busy itself, but you get into the suburbs outside of Orlando, still extremely busy. People are just packed in. And uh, hey, James, are you over there? You got a second, dude? Tell, tell <laughs> me about your three your three little incidents on your way in. You're just making it on camera. Yeah, you're on camera. Oh, this, 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 is, this is James Elam right here. After he up, finishes guys? his uh, what's up, man? Up, James, Nick, and Rob. Hey, Nick. Hey, Rob. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Have you met Nick before? I think so. I think you might have met Nick, the classic or something like okay. that. But anyway, what happened, dude? What happened with your three incidents? This is in a 15-minute span when he pulled into town. Well, let me have a chair. Um, yeah, pull up the seat. So, <clears throat> so um, yeah, Florida. I've always told Josh, you know, in the past, man, people drive so crazy around here. And... Uh, most of that experience is from every time we go to ICAST, we'll, you know, get a cab, you know, from going from the airport to uh, the hotel. And, and, you know, those guys, man, they're full throttle. They want to get you to where they're going. And, and man, they're, they're just intense and aggressive. And just, I mean, I've been to LA, I've been to New York. Uh, I've been to a lot of places, you know, and, uh, but the people around here drive fast and drive aggressively. And uh, man, it, I got into Orlando and it wasn't, you know, probably in a 30-minute span from going from the front of Orlando, you know, all the way to our house. And I almost got in three wrecks. And if I wasn't defensive driving, uh, I probably would have gotten a wreck. And I almost got in one last night. None of them would have been my fault. So I stopped at Academy just to go, you know, get some baits or whatever. Looks, you know, wasting time till Josh, you know, got into town. And uh, I'm walking in Academy, and this girl's coming and driving her car. And, and normally people are, you know, pretty aware and stopping it. And she didn't, she kept going. She didn't in care. In the parking lot. She was going to run over oh me if I didn't stop. Yeah, so <laughs> that was my first wake-up call. And I just got done driving 18 hours, so I needed a, a, a refresher. So I'm leaving Academy after that. And I'm coming to a four-way stop. And I'm rolling up to the stop sign, and, and there's this other car coming. And I'm anticipating them stopping, too. And they have a stop sign because I, I kind of took a second glance and, to make sure they got a stop sign because she's not stopped. She ran it uh, right in front of me. Uh, Would have got to go and uh, strike two. And so I'm I'm headed to the house now, and I'm coming to uh, an intersection, like a four-way intersection with four lights. Everybody's got you know red and green lights on every side, and I'm coming up. Mine's red, and I'm cruising in, and I'm slowing down. So I'm just taking it easy, pulling a boat, and 
the lane to the right of me, on my immediate right, the cars are turning out of that uh, lane and in, into my opposite side lane. And, you know, one or two come, and then there's kind of a break in, in, the, uh, in the amount of cars. And here comes a guy in a little S10 Chevy, nice little truck that just, just got lifted or something. It's pretty, you know, nice tires, 32, 33-inch tires. And he comes roaring around there. I don't know if he's trying to – I don't know if he's trying to beat the yellow light because I don't think that was the issue. I think he was just getting on it and trying to have fun. Well, he breaks traction, and he does a 180 <laughs> in the middle of, 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 you know, his lane that he was pulling in. He ends up on the center median right in front of me and oh. just a little bit going my direction. And he just gets off the grass right there and just drives into the turn lane right next to me. <laughs> like no, no. Like he meant to do it. Yeah. It, and he, I, I was just, and I stopped short because I anticipated the worst. <laughs> I cannot believe this guy didn't flip this thing. It was like uh, a Zamboni that was out of control on the ice or something. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he hold just, my beer. I got this. And I couldn't believe he hadn't flipped yet. It, it just started raining. It had been hot. So I guess that's why, that's why it's so slick. But it, that wasn't an excuse because he he, he, he was getting on it. And he, he uh, shouldn't. It was a good... Uh, a good lesson learned. I, I bet that'll make him more aware next time. <laughs> Crazy. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for sharing, man. That's it. That's yeah, cool. thanks, man. That's crazy. Well, good luck with the rest of the week. Hopefully, you don't get run over. Thanks for letting me pop in. I'm going to go yeah. east. Right on. All right. Thanks, brother. See you, James. See ya. That was just a good wake-up call on uh, how crazy you can get on the roads. And I figured there was going to be a story about horns. The few times that I've driven through Florida, you know, out west, I feel like we don't use our horn very much. Like, when you get honked at, like, that's a that's like a level three. Nick's got fantastic internet service today in his, uh, his garage. He's gone silent again. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll give them a second and see if it picks back in. But uh, in fact, let's just let's just do this all over again. We'll uh, we'll start for the third time. Third time will be a charm. We'll slowly piece this podcast together. I I see movement, Nick. Nope. So I I did the old oh. classic turn it off, turn it on thing. You know, I've, if you never need to fix anything electronic, just turn it off, turn it on. Bam, perfect. I can't believe you reconnected that quickly. Well, that's great, man. Uh, okay, so all I was gonna say is about horns, man. <laughs> yes, yeah. So uh, yeah, and there's that too. Anyways, it's just it's nuts, but it's worth it. It's worth dealing with this craziness just because there is some really cool stuff in Florida. There's some amazing fishing as we've talked about uh, a bunch of times, and uh, it seems like Florida's the state that we always bag on. And who knows? I'll probably be bagging on it after this tournament. Um, <laughs> how it goes for me it's just everything's based completely off how i fish in every state on whether i like it or not so we'll we'll see it right now florida's in decent graces for me after march but we'll see after this june tournament uh but one crazy thing that i've been dealing with so so today's my off day i've had a couple days of practice and the tournament for me starts tomorrow today's the off day to get everything ready and um it's been raining every day, not just the last two days, but for the last two weeks down here. And it's going to continue to rain. And, and it's normal to have like these evening pop-up showers, almost like we have the monsoons in Arizona. But it's just been raining literally all day, every day down here. And it's the opposite of what we're used to in Arizona. I wish we could just send some of it our way. Yeah. Um, but it, it brings up a couple interesting things because, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go out and fish in the rain, you could do it, but you've got to be, you've got to be prepared for it. You know, you, you can go out and enjoy a day of fishing in some nice warm light rain without being too prepared. But if you're going to fish all day or for multiple days and it's going to rain nonstop, um, what are, do you guys have any, any like guidelines or any types of gear or warnings or, yeah, I don't know, anything you, you try to do? Uh, to prepare for a day of fishing like that? Well, my question for you right now is, I mean, you're dealing with extreme heat too, right? Isn't it warm there? It's, so it's uncomfortable to get in your rain gear, right? That's a great point. I mean, you can see the sweat ring on my hat here. I've been wearing this hat. <laughs> brand new hat before practice started. And yeah, it'll the sun will pop out for like an hour and it'll be like 88 
with 100% humidity and you just and then all of a sudden it starts raining. So you're right. You don't really want to be throwing on, you know, your your heavy duty rain gear. So like, yeah, light lightweight rain gear is super important, super critical. I've got some from Apco that that is lightweight. You can wear it when it's cold, but you've got a layer underneath. But yeah, just lightweight. Obviously, nothing's going to be breathable if it's waterproof, but just thin. I mean, it's it, yeah. you have to have a set like that or a better well, fish, other than fish naked. Yeah, I've got lighter stuff, but I mean, in the summertime in Arizona, you you kind of welcome that rain, and it really doesn't matter if you get wet because it's it doesn't last very long, and then it gets hot again. So, but wintertime stuff. I mean, I remember fishing Northern California. You'd drive into the rain, and a week later on your way home, you're driving out of it, and it just never stops raining. But those situations, I mean, the highs would be 45 or 50 degrees in the morning, or I mean, throughout the day, and it's it's very key to stay dry otherwise i mean you could get hypothermia pretty quick in those situations so it's um you know nowadays i think gear is just quite a bit better um obviously we had gore-tex back then but you didn't have the under layers that kept you dry um you know with the base layers merino wool and stuff like that i think today it'd be a lot easier to to layer and be comfortable in those situations a good point yeah so i mean then that's the whole thing is just is just staying dry and uh you know even if you're wearing good rain gear you've got to be conscious of those places like where the water can get in like your cuffs uh your wrists your ankles your neck you know one thing that'll get me sometimes my my uh jacket's just not zipped all the way up and before you know it you get yep. a little in and then and then you're screwed man yeah and it just you get a little on your cuffs it starts working all, all, all of a sudden your elbows are wet and you're just miserable when you don't dry out. So one thing that I used to do, and I don't know if it's as critical nowadays, but I used to bring multiple sets of rain gear because a lot of times you wouldn't have time to get it dried out overnight. So, uh, you know, you wear one set one day and one the next just to, you know, at least start out dry. So. You've got to, man. Heck yeah. That's a great call. If, you know, if you're staying in a house that's got a dryer or something, that's great. But if you're in a hotel yeah. or camping, you don't have that. You don't have that option. Did you uh, did you ever bring a like a motorcycle helmet to uh, run around the lake when when you were uh, you know knowing that you're gonna be making runs in the rain? I never did. I think nowadays I probably would have been a lot more comfortable. But it's uh, what do you do for for do you wear a helmet? I, I do when I know it's going to, like, for sure it's going to happen. You know, if I'm making 30, 40 mile run and it's going to be raining, it's it, uh, my that helmet is kind of, it, it's much more comfortable to run with it. The uh, only scary thing is I've heard it, it could be a little more dangerous. If, if you were to be unlucky enough to be in a boat accident uh, yeah. on the water and you go flying into the water with a motorcycle helmet on, it's probably, uh, it's going to keep you from getting knocked out. But um, if, I don't know, if, if it doesn't just rip off your head, it, it could snap your neck, right? Is that, oh, is that Yeah, I would imagine it could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I wear it, but, uh, I, you know, if it's not going to be pouring, uh, I won't. It's also a little bulky in the boat. Uh, yeah. One thing I do a lot, too, is uh, I, I, if it's going to be cloudy and kind of rainy, drizzly all day, I'll, I'll wear yellow lens sunglasses. Um, that way you could still get all the benefits of wearing sunglasses. You know, Nines makes like it, it they make just a straight yellow color, no coating or anything. So they're great to wear like at a blast off at early tournament morning, but also just on those days like that where it's cloudy all day, you can see the grass underwater. You can still see, you could even see beds and stuff like that because you're still getting all the polarization, but you know, you can't wear your regular amber or gray line sunglasses on a, on a cloudy day. Yeah. Cause it darkens everything up too much. Huh? Do either of you guys wear contacts? No, no I do not. You're both do just you? to have good vision. I do. That's the other thing. If I don't wear uh, something over my eyes, my eyes dry out too really bad. So yeah. mm. or lenses help help a lot. So I, I did a guide trip last week and we were talking about wearing sunglasses. Um, and mainly, I mean, a lot of times on guide trips, I put them on super early just for eye protection, right? Lures flying back. And so the gentleman I had with me, he took his, I believe it was his son when he was like 10 years old fishing. They're out there messing around. He had like the bobber with a night crawler on the little gold Aberdeen hook for his son, dragging it behind the boat, right? And 
he says he looks back. His son had reeled it in, thought he had a bite and jerked it. He looks back and all of a sudden the line is going into his eye socket and he can't see the hook. Oh. It's gone. So he like just panics. The kid's like going in shock. They get to the boat dock. They, well, they cut the line off. So now he's just literally has lines sticking out of his eye. Oh my God. <laughs> they get him to the doctor. Um, the eye doctor and they were able to pull it out. It was stuck between his eyeball and his eye socket, never penetrated anything. Um, but think about as a dad, how scared he was thinking he's going to lose his the kid's going to lose his eyesight. Right. Oh, so wow. goodness. It was the kid. It was in the kid's eye in the kid's eye. Correct. Oh. Is that crazy? Could you imagine like showing up to the doctor with lines sticking out and there's a hook in there somewhere? But thank goodness they were able to get it out. But what a crazy story, huh? There, yeah. There are very few things in this world that will make me cringe, like a fishing hook in the eye, especially in a oh. kid. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, sunglasses to me are safety glasses on the water in a lot of cases, you know. Well, so I think, you know, all of us, it, it, like, I can speak for myself. I'm a complete idiot. And I, I know none of my friends do it either we, for not fishing with clear glasses, like at night. At night, yeah. fishing, yeah. it should be. All of us should be doing it. It just—it's only common sense, but none of us do, and none of us probably ever will, unless you imagine a. Can you imagine a one-ounce tungsten coming back at your eye? It'll just do some damage. Yep. Yep. Dude, you could—you so. just have to wear a patch. You'd become a true pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Actual patch pirate. Yeah, there it is. All right, I was—I was leaving it out there. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Gosh. Well, yeah, that's a, that's gnarly, man. How was the fishing on that trip, Rob? Did you guys do good? We caught a bunch of fish, just little fish, unfortunately, so nothing big. Um, did you go to Bartlett? We did, yeah. Um, I don't know. I've got a few trips this week. Just I'm not sure where I'm going to go yet, and i got to figure that out. So it's been it's been interesting around here, so right fishing-wise. Yeah, you guys got some cooler weather coming in, and uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe that'll uh, – do something that will shake things up a little bit and uh yeah it's, I mean, it literally dropped almost 20 degrees here i mean it was incredible how much how much temperature dropped so has pretty nice clouds or is it sunny? what's that has it brought any clouds with it or has it been sunny still uh, the other day it was a little cloudy but most it's been mostly sunny so gotcha right yeah. on well, my uh, my internet has been so poor. I was gone for most of that, so I imagine you guys covered all the technical, worthwhile stuff that I could never have contributed to, anyways. Um, is that is that a fair assumption? Probably so, Nick. Yeah, probably. Because so. <laughs> I needed to leave for that moment. There's nothing technical or usable that I could offer. I'm just here for comedic relief. <laughs> Rob, Rob was just rolling. So yeah, I think we're I think we're going to move on, dude. Because uh, what I, about we're at trivia, right? I mean, this is like the final countdown. I wish I had some sticks or rush. Whoever sings that song, it's the final countdown. It is, and, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But just uh, just to tease it a little bit, today is. Yeah. Day. So the scores right now for trivia are uh, Nick has 16. Nick has three. No, Nick has four. Josh has three and Rob has three. So so nervous. And Nick's asking the questions today. I am too. But uh, uh, before we move into that, let's just we, we wrote down um, since we're going to talk about fishing in the rain. Yeah, uh, we've talked about the gear. Let's actually add something maybe of value for the listeners today on uh, fishing tactically. Uh, how about tactics for fishing those long rainy days? Like is, is there anything that comes, that comes completely off the table as far as technique wise or anything that you think just in general rain will enhance as far as uh, techniques or baits or anything like that? You know, the one thing I hear from guide clients more than, I mean, it's like so universal from clients is when it's raining, fishing's supposed to be great, right? That is and totally, I, it's it's kind of a myth, isn't it? But I don't see it, man. I don't, in Arizona, I don't see it. So is is that, in other parts of the country, is that a thing? It's regional. It, that's a good point, dude. So like Florida, I don't think it's a good thing where I'm at. Uh, Arizona, it's not a good thing. The thing that those two states have in common is the fish are not used to it, right? The fish, I don't think, have it ingrained into their brain that this is a situation that we are going to get frequently and we need to use this to, to make our life. To their benefit. Right? Uh -huh. So, like, 
and maybe it's just our inability to adapt to it as anglers in, in, in Arizona, but I doubt it. I think the fish are just used to, they're on their program, they're on their clock, and they're used to, hey, the sun comes out and we, we feed like this. This is the structure that we use, and it's sun-driven, and this is what we do. But you go to a place like the Ozarks, and they love nasty weather. The nasty the better. And it's, it, they get more storms and stuff like that. But you go fish Table Rock, Bull Shoals, lakes like that. And the worse the weather, the more the big fish bite. It's it, it's a guaranteed thing. It's it's amazing. And, and it's that fine line, too. Like, uh, the weather gets nasty and you want to stay out there and catch the big ones until it gets too nasty and becomes actually dangerous. And it's frustrated me a few times because I'm not the guy that fishes through a bad thunderstorm. And we'll talk about it in a little bit why. But, um, you know, so I'll, I'll go sit up underneath. I'll, I'll take cover. And then you get back to weigh in and everyone's like, yeah, I caught a, I caught my biggest fish during the storm. Yeah, I caught my whole bag during the storm. Yeah, I caught this during the storm. And it's like, ah, you know. So you got to ride that fine line. Like how I'm much like life you. insurance do you own? <laughs> yeah. I'm like you. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think a, a, a fish is worth dying from a lightning strike. But... I, I do recall a tournament up in uh, Northern California on, on uh, Lake Orville, a practice day. It was raining, and we absolutely throttled them on spinnerbaits, spotted bass, right? And, uh-huh. I mean, you couldn't go. It was just stupid how good it was. And throughout the tournament, it never, ever happened because those conditions didn't, didn't come up during the tournament. And guys just get so locked in on that deal, they couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. I drew a guy on the third day of the tournament where – He's like, yeah, I got a great spinnerbait bite. I'm like, I did too. <laughs> and it just, it, it didn't work, right? And and we were catching them deep on drop shots and finesse type stuff when the sun was out. And during the rain and the and the weather, it just, they absolutely throttled reaction baits. But so that's one place I've seen it happen. But um, Arizona, definitely, I haven't seen those changes. So yeah. But kind of the basic rule of thumb is, is reaction stuff tends to do better the nastier the weather gets right it's yep. pretty pretty yep. basic but that's a good starting point for sure yeah it's, it's going to make the fish roam a little bit more they're not going to sit quite as tightly to the cover so yeah if you're just like you're you're saying to the opposite of what rob's talking about you know if you're if it's sunny and you're catching them deep in the grass or or uh, out of brush piles and stuff like that the next day it's raining all day odds are they're not going to be buried up in that cover. So it, it makes more sense that they would eat that spinnerbait or the jerkbait. Mm-hmm. Um, and on topwater, uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I, I found the topwater bite on a drizzle can be pretty good. But once it starts rain, like really raining, it's that, that's done. I put that away and I go subsurface again. How about you guys? Yeah, they just lose it in the surface. surface. Doesn't, doesn't show up yeah, yeah, I guess it's kind of a no-brainer. But a light, light drizzle, you catch them on a buzz bait or buzz bait, right? Walking bait or something. But yeah, you start getting a legitimate rain. Uh, it's time to pull out a vibrating jig or just something that's below the surface. But uh, the mm-hmm. one thing I've seen is when you start getting lightning into the scenario, it really, of course, it's not good for uh, to be out there. But it also just kills the fishing. It, fishing post lightning is uh, probably the worst time to be out there fishing. The fish will eat when it's it's coming in but the big storm hits the big cell hits and then you know for sometimes the next 12 hours the the bite really suffers you guys see that too for sure i don't is that lightning strikes in the water is it just the the pressure it's probably what a is it? thing right that's my guess yeah. what do you think well yeah i agree i agree with that i mean i think obviously i don't i mean i'm not real schooled on that but it's it um, it definitely is a thing when it lightnings out and it, near a lake it shuts them down for sure. It's, it's the worst. Like if you're you know fishing back at home, you have a major monsoon uh, in the middle of the night, and then you get a guide trip the next morning. It's it's usually not good. And yeah. uh, it happens you know if I look back at tournaments fishing around the country where I've been on something really that I thought was really 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 solid bite and just watched it absolutely go to crap. A lot of times it's been tied to fishing right after a big lightning storm especially if it's an early morning bite um lightning just completely uh completely shuts things down have you been in some situations that are scary though uh, actually I, I know you were do you remember the tuesday night or you and i fished at roosevelt a couple years ago yeah that was i mean we actually got off the water it was so scary it was it was all around us man that's the night, yeah. night tournaments 
in mon- monsoon season, they just breed for those types of things. I've talked about that microburst I was in on that guide trip on a private, on a previous podcast, but I had one time, dude, I saw a uh, sailboat get struck by lightning that was about a hundred from us at Bartlett. Wow. We were in the marina. This is like a freak February storm during the day. And uh, we, it got so close, it struck the mountain right next to us. One of the loudest oh. crack bangs ever. So, <laughs> that's <laughs> we, scary. We are on, I'm not, we're on plane in the no wake zone in the marina heading for cover because it was so scary. And as we're tilting over on plane, there's a moored sailboat and lightning mm-hmm. the mass. And I'm with my dad and uh, <laughs> the cabin door off, dude. And black smoke comes bellowing out of the cabin. Thank God no one was in it. It was, <laughs> but it struck the mast of the sailboat right in front of us. That was the closest I've ever been. Have you, have you guys seen it strike a boat or, or you know, it had a flash bang like that before? No, I've been scared, but never that close like that. That's pretty crazy. I was on a boat one time uh, as a little kid. We were in Florida on a guide trip, and uh, we were. It was a you know kind of one of those center console not truly like far offshore boat trips, but we were, you know, maybe a couple miles offshore fishing light tackle and a cell came in. And uh, I remember that it was a center console. So, or it was a yeah center console, but it has the metal um, uh, kind of tower going over it. Oh, to grab, or is it like uh, for rods and stuff like that? All the above, right? You know, it's like a 24, 26 foot saltwater boat and it's got the center console tower going on. And and that thing, dude, it started clicking. It had so much static electricity humming through it, and I thought we were gonna meet meet our maker that day. And it, it got to a point where it was clicking, and it gets real eerie, right? Like it's like quiet, and there's that clicking. My dad was losing. I was so young that uh, you know when you're ignorant like that, you're just like, this is amazing. This is so exciting. How we're gonna die? Everyone else was freaking out, but didn't happen, fortunately. And I didn't see a strike or anything like that. But I do remember, you know, and your hair on your neck gets a little, little oh, wired yeah. up. And I mean, everything in your body knows it's like about to go down. <laughs> it, is, it is so dangerous to be on the water. I'm just going to give this stat now. According to, okay, Field and Stream did a study. They did this study. And in between 2006 and 2012, in the U.S., there were 127 people struck and killed by lightning over six years. 26 of those 127 were fishermen. Wow. wow. One in five. The rest were golfers. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a misconception, man. Everyone says that, but um, golfers were actually a lower number. And, it, you know, maybe it's come up since then, but uh, I, I think the reason is because golf courses are pretty hardcore on getting people off the course that's exactly what they fishermen yeah and fishermen are on their own (laughs) they just they just we just don't stop right and and it's it's so funny how that you you, it's easy to think oh it just can't happen to me but those are bad odds dude and and, this is just a guess but i think probably in the last 10 years i bet a handful of tournament fishermen have died by being struck by lightning because i've read enough articles to to, to feel pretty comfortable with that, with that guess. And that's yeah. full of guys over 10 years. There aren't that many tournament fishermen in the world. You know what I mean? It's I'm under a bridge in the truck. I'm getting off the water. It really, as soon as, as I start hearing it, I, you know, even in a big tournament, man, I, I'll get under a bridge and, and wait it out. It's, it's just not worth it. Right. I remember, you, you know how you're saying you come to the weigh in and guys are like, Oh, I caught my big one during the lightning storm. Yep. I remember I know it was a big name fisherman. I cannot remember who it was, but it was someone out West here. There was a lightning storm during a tournament. And he's like, man, I never crank them. But during the lightning storm, I felt more comfortable throwing a crankbait with a fiberglass rod versus having my graphite rod up in the air. Right, and like- they actually caught him and they caught him cranking it. I want to say it was Aaron, but I can't put that on him because I don't recall exactly, but it was one of those guys. And it was like, I just shook my head. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> the treble hooks are metal. <laughs> yeah. I, I got caught in a storm on uh, Table Rock in the mid-90s. It was so bad that we pulled into a private slip, someone's dock, and just literally sat on the wood dock waiting it out. I, I could care less if they came and kicked oh, us off. Yeah. I mean, it was just Did like... They have to be the worst people in the world to do that to you. Right after yeah, they kicked was, you off, they'd get struck. Yeah. It was raining so hard, you literally could not see the front of your boat 
yeah. if you were out in it. I mean, it was terrible. So and, and you get down there in the springtime, you got to worry about tornadoes, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is exactly. that when they hit like March, April? That obviously yeah, when it's starting to warm up. June, dude, but May is the yeah. worst month. And uh, yeah, we had, se- I mean, every year I've got tournaments in the Ozarks every year, just like what you're talking about, you know, Table Rock. And uh, there's always, there's always, you're there for a week and there's a tornado warning every week. And some are worse than others. But there was one really, I mean, there was one gnarly one we were practicing last year. And I get off the water. But Andy Morgan, who is like one of the best fishermen of all time, and he's, he, he's a very low key guy, like, it isn't like, you know, out talking to everyone and stuff like that. Well, dude, he was running around the lake in his bullet bass boat, wide open from one guy to the next. You know, he'd pull up and go, there's a tornado coming. There's a storm right out. There's a there's a tornado in it. And everyone just flying to get off the water, dude. Wow. Uh, it was a, it, I, I remember sitting by, sitting in the house for like two or three hours during during that practice day just because it was, they were all over the place. They, it's like, what, psych, what got the legs myself. On? Table Rock. On Table Rock. Table Rock. The, yeah. During the actual tournament, they had a pause in the tournament. They made us take the boats and get them off the water. And um, I sat inside an elementary school. We drove to – I was sitting at the ramp, and a police officer came over and said, hey, you got to take cover now. So he drove us over and put us in the middle of an elementary <laughs> school <laughs> during, the tournament, uh, during the tournament day. So anyways, uh, it's, it's nothing to mess around with. Uh, Pretty crazy, man. Pretty pretty crazy that that percentage of people that were struck were fishermen. This is like a PSA for uh, fishing and, and storms. But, but uh, you know, when you get toasted by lightning and you're you know you're making your way to the pearly gates and you're standing in line, that is such a better story than like having a heart <laughs> attack at 2 a.m. And I was just asleep, man, and my heart stopped beating. Like, man, I was I had 23 pounds. I was going hard. There was a boat on the line, and I got struck. <laughs> the instantly, they'd be like, "He gets a higher designation. That guy's legit." True. So keep that in. Yeah. How about, uh, dude? Uh, David Fritz got struck by lightning and lived. He struck his boat. There was a big. There was a nasty. I think it was on Kentucky Lake, and this is 20, 30, probably twenty years ago. He's running to weigh in on pad. So apparently, if you're going fast, it doesn't matter. He's <laughs> That's how fast a bass boat is. <laughs> Lightning fast, dude. He is uh, <laughs> running to weigh in, and then all of a sudden, just a flash, and he wakes up on the floor of his boat. Everything, wow. him and the boat's fried and everything, and uh, his vision has never been the same. He said it really uh. vision up big time. I don't understand that too. When you hear people that have survived from lightning strikes, clearly a scientist or someone way smarter than us could explain how that happens. Because I would just envision, man, if you got hit by lightning, I figured you'd be like vaporized like what would be left yeah i don't know if, i don't know what it depends on man what it comes mm-hmm. in and whatever but uh-huh. who knows what the heck the lightning struck there and uh, and the, it'd be really interesting to hear from someone who knows what the heck they're talking about and i'm sure even a little research we'd be able to do it but we're not gonna do the research google <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting how it, it is different uh, in different situations but if we got any listeners that have any crazy lightning stories, send them in. We'd be uh, real interested to hear if you've been struck or know someone that was struck or have seen. Makes something. me think. Did you ever watch the? I think it was the Great Outdoors. Did you guys ever watch that movie when you were kids or younger? It came out in the '90s. Classic. No. Is it's there a, a story? I'm pretty sure it's either that movie or a different one. I loved all those like '90s era outdoors movie, Grumpy Old Men, The Great Outdoors, all those. And uh, there's a guy who's like, oh, you know, he's like the local um, old timer. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's Fred over there. He's been struck by lightning. And they say, how many times? He's like, nine, 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 nine. Oh, wow, nine times. And he's like, nine, 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 99 times. <laughs> it's, that makes the movie a random sidebar, but you got to check it out. Pretty right. good. That's funny. Uh, well, hey, I think it's about time to swing it over to trivia here. Nick. I, the one Which, asking this week, and and again, the loser of this is going to have to go fishing and use a kid's like a Barbie rod or Snoopy rod fishing off the front of their bass boat for the duration of whatever the fishing trip is. So I can't wait. Without further ado, I wish we had the uh, technology to play like a cool sound effect. I wish we could like bring it in like the uh, Price is Right or something. Yeah, I know. We we definitely need it. And if we ever do this again, we'll. Uh, We'll get some effects going. But. We need a button. Okay, so my internet has been horrible. Are you guys ready to go? Can you hear me? 
We got you. All right. Rob is frozen screenshot in a very stoic pose. So we'll just know that Rob is listening to looking at you. That's what it is. Okay. First question. Are smallmouth bass also found in Russia or New Zealand? Good question. I shouldn't have even gave you a choice, but now you got a 50-50 chance because you're going to guess. Yeah, that actually hurts you. <laughs> yeah. Are they, are they members of the Soviet Union or are they Kiwis down south? Rob, you want to go first on this one? I'm just going to go... I'm going to go with Russia because of the fact that they're more adept to colder climates. New Zealand has mountains and okay, snow. Valid point. New well, Zealand has giant brown trout that people fly fish. Yes. So there's a, I guess there's a very good chance there's smallmouth also, but whatever. I'm going to and go I've heard just because bass don't tolerate vodka very well either. <laughs> You're like pushing me to go to New Zealand, but I'm still going to go to Russia. You can't trust it though, Rob. I can't. No, he's baiting me. Yeah. They like kiwis better than they like vodka. Josh, what do you say? Well, I mean, since Rob gets to Russia, I'm just going to say uh, New Zealand. And, and, and just purely off the fact that, like Rob had talked about, uh, you know, the fishing down in New Zealand, I associate New Zealand with fishing a little bit more than Russia. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 50-50, so I'll say New Zealand. We'll get ready for this because I played you both neither. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. They're in Russia. <laughs> oh, you don't let me pick questions when I'm about to lose, so I'm going to start changing things. But yes, they actually, believe it or not, are found in Russia. And uh, He was just um, pushing for me to go the other way. I was. I wanted you to lose. I was just figuring out how I could incentivize you to lose. But Yeah, Rob's got good guts. But yeah, apparently that's a... That's a thing, man. There's a little bit of bass fishing to be done. So hopefully we have a few thousand Russian listeners and they can chime in and teach us the Russian rig. I, I, both, yeah. both Russia and New Zealand have world-class fly fishing. Mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Giant trout, giant, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Does it have largemouth too as well or just smallmouth? Or did you, did you see? Uh, we need to go back to the Wikipedia article that I found. I want to say it did say largemouth, but I figured smallmouth was a little bit more of a variety for us. Interesting. It'll blow my mind sometimes when I look at our analytics for this. We'll get a random listener in just a crazy uh, country. and um, Hopefully we get Russia this time. Shout out. We've had one or two. Uh, okay. Have we really? Wow. Look at that. All seven people. Okay. Second question. How much annually do American anglers contribute to the economy? All right. I I guess I'll go first on this one. And whoever the closest is going to be the correct answer. Um, I'm going to say, I would say $2 billion. Was that with a B? Yeah. Like Dr. Evil, did you raise your pinky up to your <laughs> lip? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got I gotta go uh two point one billion. Well, you guys, this is this is so pitifully far from it. No one deserves to win. This is like the price is right, you're too far away. One one hundred and twenty five billion dollars. Holy crap. Ah. So to all y'all buying your Zoom flukes and your drop shot weights out there, we see you and we appreciate you. Can you believe that, dude? $125 billion? That's amazing. That stuff's just overpriced. That's what it is. That's, well, hey, that's great. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dude, I'm, I'm just nervous because Rob is safe now and I'm in the danger zone. Yeah, the danger zone. Okay, this question will absolutely titillate your cranium. This is a, this is a mind bender. In 2011, a Montana angler caught and released a three and a half pound bass that was proven to be A, six years old, B, eight years old, or C, 19 years old. Three and a half pounder out of Montana, eight, six, or 19 years old. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 19 because it's just not that crazy if it's six or eight. Go ahead, Rob. Do we lose, Rob? (laughs) No, I need, oh, goodness. I'm going to go with uh, eight. 
Eight. So Josh was correct. That fish was 19 years old. And according to the article from the year 2000, or no, 2011, excuse me, Bassmaster Magazine said that the guy, it was a kid who caught it and it had a tag in it that had been registered back 16 years prior. Can you believe that fish swam around with a tag for that long? And it's all incredible. Wow, that's cr- I wonder what it looked like. I wonder if it, I, I, there was a picture of it. Terrible. Did it look terrible? Yeah, it looked really black. I didn't remember northern bass getting that black. So that must have been a, a place in Montana where they must have had some shallow water. You know, I don't know. But it looked fine. I mean, he, he had a gray beard. He kind of looked like Rob in that sense. <laughs> but otherwise, he looked good. <laughs> All right. So, so Josh, I, I'm the one. I better go put some new line on my daughter's fairy wand over there and, and spool it up. We're tied now. We're tied now. So if, if uh, I get one more right, Nick is... Uh, Going fishing with a Barbie rod. Rob is safe. And I still think we need to go back and listen to last week's episode. I had more than four, but uh, I do love to be the butt of a joke. <laughs> do you really think so? I don't have a list in front of me. I'm pretty sure I had six, but I want to lose. You got one the first week and three last week. Uh, so that equals six. Okay, second, fourth question. <laughs> How much was the grand prize for winning the very first Bassmasters Classic? Nice. Go ahead. Oh. Inflation adjusted, it was seventy-one million. No, I'm just kidding. How much was it? Josh knows this, I think. I, does, I, don't, does, I really don't. don't. Okay. I'm gonna say ten grand. Okay. What do you say, Josh? I'll say five. Freaking Rob, how did you know it was ten grand? Was it because you fished in it? <laughs> oh, back no, in. I think it was, it was ten. It was, it was ten. Robin. That was 1971. Yeah, the year I was born. It's a good year. Yeah. Yes, $10,000 was the total winnings. And now bonus points. Does anyone know where the first Bastion's Classic was fished? Oh, we Lake all did this one, bro. Yeah. yeah. That's, why I didn't, that's why I didn't ask it. This is the Lake Mead Anglers podcast. Bobby Murray. Bobby. You need to know. Bobby! <laughs> Where's Fat Cat Newton? Get him in here. All right, and fifth and final question. What, or should I say, how much do, did the world record red ear sunfish weigh? And bonus points if you can guess the girth of that big girl or guy. Five and a half. Okay. Girth, I don't say, know. I'm going to say... If he said five and a half, five point five, I'm gonna say five point six. Because <laughs> he like did that earlier. Okay, we might need to do a tiebreaker because both of you are pretty damn good. Give me your closest guess on girth. How much was the girth on this big girl or guy? Is it five? 20, five? Twenty-eight inches. What is well, it? Well, you're both so damn close that we need to take it. To, that that must have been too easy because you both landed right on. It was five point eight pounds. Well, then I win. Well, then. Then he wins, yeah. No, he doesn't. Five pounds eight ounces? He doesn't want me to win. Oh, look at him. He's trying <laughs> to get out. <laughs> well, 5.8, there's 16 ounces in a pound, right? So maybe it's half of, maybe it's five and a half pounds versus 5.8. Oh, dude, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping Rob would get that one right. That's so funny. Rob, what's, uh, what's 28 minus eight? Maybe you should guess that. It was a 20-inch girth, Nick. It was a 20-inch girth. That's Can you believe that? Nice. That, dude, that's that, dude, my biggest bass ever, the girth was 20, 20 inches. A bass. 12-pound <laughs> bass. That's insane, dude. And it's a freaking bluegill. That at Havasu? It was actually at, uh, yes, Havasu. Yep. That's cool, man. Have you guys ever caught one of those little bastards? Not that not big. Not that big. Not, mm-hmm. not even, I don't even think I've caught a three-pounder. A lot of guys have caught them that big, but... How about you, Josh? I think my biggest one was at Pleasant. I've got a I caught it on a spy bait. Uh, did, did I send you guys that picture? Oh, I remember that. I do. <laughs> it was a freak. It was a big fish. Um, but yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't even three. It was probably mid to high twos. It was a big. But when you catch a sunfish that big, you're shocked by it. I mean, how would you pattern those? Are those up in the river at Havasu? Dude, I think you catch them when they spawn, and then outside of that, um, dude, They're like just offshore. In the, they go really deep in the wintertime. Like, I remember uh, 
seeing a bunch of fish. I was trying to fish uh, super deep, which no one really does there at the time. I was just trying to do something different. And I was seeing these fish in full feet and following my bait up and down and this and that. And uh, talking to Roy Hawk, I'm like, dude, I saw them down there. He's like, no, those are the red ear. They go down that deep in the in the wintertime. So I think it's wow. hard to catch outside the spawn. I mean, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, I, I, the only way I've ever tried to catch them is when they're spawning. And I've not had, I've had limited success at that. So I think it's one of those deals, you, if you live, live over at Havis, so you can just get on them when they're really spawning well and catch the crap out of them. But... Because, I mean, imagine how fun that'd be to buy, catch my, like, two-pound test line, get a real soft action spinning rod and something light tackle. It'd be it's awesome. Your butt on two-pound, dude. Dude, and, like, get it on a fly rod or something? It'd be sweet. That yeah, would... Alex, Alex and I spent a couple couple trips going over there trying to land on the right time, and we just never did it. So uh, some, something I want to do, though, it'd be a lot of fun. Did that sounds get... like a – Did you see some or no? Yeah, it just we were just off. I just – I don't know what – we tried to tried to time it right. Just one of those deals, you know. We just didn't did not get on them. We saw a couple little patches of them, but nothing nothing great. So that's gonna be a good use for my uh, fairy wand that I'm gonna have to break out. the The rod that I will be using is over here to my left, and I actually have a choice. I have quite a few small children's rods, um, but uh, stay tuned. We will we will see. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm really glad that. And there's a small part of me that was looking forward to doing it. Maybe I'll go with you and make a few casts and try to catch a fish with one. But, I mean, you're going to be all day, dude, just doing yeah. this sun up till sundown on camera. It's going to be – just imagine going going past other boats and stuff and just trying to fish with a straight face out of your, your yeah. bathroom with power poles and stuff on it with a, with a Barbie rod. <laughs> Dude, when I went to meet the guy that I bought the boat from, he's down in Tucson. And he's like, hey, man, if you have a little bit of time, we could take it down to Patagonia. I'm on a pretty decent frog bite in the morning. So badly did I want to go and then break out. Like, I, I upped my game and bought some actual, like, all-metal closed face Zebcos for my kids to use. So at least we could, like, cast respectively. Yeah. I so bad wanted to get out of my truck with, like, those on ugly sticks with like frogs tied up on them and just straight face, like put them on the deck of the boat and been like, let's go, bro. I'm ready. That'd be great. That'd be great. Oh, I would have been so priceless to see his reaction. Like what, what do you mean? Huh? <laughs> so we're using live frogs, right? <laughs> yeah. I brought my cork. <laughs> Sadly that didn't happen. So, all right. Well, that, that is what it is. I still think I'm going to audit last episode make sure that I really did lose because we, I'd like to see Josh's ego take a beating more than mine. It needs it too. Uh, I, dude, my <laughs> ego's going to take a beating this week. I just got a feeling. We'll see how <laughs> uh, um, after practice, I, I wouldn't be shocked if my ego is hurting enough when I get home, but um, that's cool. We'll double check. I don't have my, my fancy yellow notepad. I've got my little white truck notepad Ooh. here in florida so we'll double check but i'm pretty sure you are doing that nick and uh, yeah thanks uh thank you guys those were good questions honestly nick that was pretty fun dude i think you uh, had the best questions you had uh, yeah i think thanks. so too they were solid yeah yeah but awesome um we're already at over an hour in so um any last words from you guys before we wrap this thing up i just want to do uh what i normally do and wish you good luck back there go whack them look forward to watching you on live tomorrow so rob you're such a groupie i am a groupie when this when this podcast goes out uh, i'll be fishing it's gonna uh be released on monday morning and uh, the tournament starts monday so you can go to majorleaguefishing.com or go on the app and watch the tournament live and uh, it is a cool tournament i don't know if i talked about it last time or not but it's heavy hitters is, is the name of this event and uh it's got a super emphasis on big fish so the first Two rounds of the tournament, you know, there's two groups um, that go out in 40. They're drawn randomly, but the biggest bass out of each of those groups in the first round gets 25 grand. So this is outside of just the normal tournament. But so 25 grand for the guy that catches the biggest bass in group A and B. Then after the cut's made to the top 20 of each group in the knockout round, the biggest bass that day gets an extra 50 grand. Um, and then on the final day, You've got your regular standings and payout and stuff, but the biggest bass on the final day gets an extra hundred grand. 
Jeez. So we're going to be seeing some people lose their minds uh, on camera catching big fish. That's what's going to, I think that's going to be the best part is just watching guys. I, we were laughing today because, so James and I are fishing group B this week. So uh, we, you know, we, we're not allowed to watch the tournament. We can watch the score tracker to see what's going on. Can we talk about that at all? Yeah, we can just talk about the score tracker because that's what we do. So, so I'm sure you're probably watching, right, Rob? Have you seen it this yes, morning? Yes, I watched so it this Lucas, morning. Unbelievable. Lucas catches an 8-3 this morning, and uh, it's like midday when he catches that thing. And we're like, we love Justin. So we're like, that lucky son of a gun. He's been on the podcast twice. We're like, of course, he's going to catch the, the uh, you know, the big fish. Man, you know, he's just, things go his way so often, you know, and it's because he puts himself in the position. But anyways, uh, we're like, that lucky sucker. And then Ayler, like five minutes later, catches an 8-6 and takes takes that over. And it, the scoring's live. So, like, I'm so excited. I have no idea what the reactions were, but I can't wait to see Lucas's reaction when he found out that Ayler caught an 8-6. How about prior to that, Murray caught back-to-back 7-13s. All of them. Unreal. Book in seven thirteens. That's crazy. Yes. Not bad. Is that good? It's incredible. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's good. Hey, cool. It's good luck coming on our podcast. We talked about that before. Our last two guests, uh, eight pounders this week. So and yeah, James yeah, too. Yeah, he, yeah. James got eight pounder coming tomorrow since he said a few words today. True. Uh, awesome. Right on. I look forward to watching it tomorrow. Good luck. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Nick, be practicing casting, dude. We'll uh, yes. see you soon. <laughs> see you guys. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. As always, I say it every time, but we really appreciate your feedback, whether it's in the comment section on iTunes, uh, whether you message us on uh, social media, send us an email. It goes a long way for us and uh, gives us ideas for topics to use in the future and um, just lets us know that you're listening. So hope you guys have a great week. Hope you guys get some fishing in and uh, hopefully I catch a couple bass on Lake Toho. We'll talk to you next week.